Good morning. I too would like to welcome everyone out to the services this morning. I especially like to welcome our, our visitors we have with us today. We appreciate you being here with us and, and worshiping God with us today. I did want to read something real quick. This is from uh, Joe Ellen, uh, Linda's daughter. She, she wanted me to read this for you uh, this morning. Uh, we want to thank all who attended Mom's memorial last night. Your attendance means so much to me and my family. Mom loved each and every one of you. Zach, you're a terrific young man. The church is very lucky to have you as a member. Thank you. To all who brought food and to the ladies who took care of the cleanup after the meal, you are amazing. Thank you so very much. You are all such wonderful group of people. Thanks again for your love and support through this difficult time. We love you all. Family of Linda Hanley. You know, here recently, uh, this family here, we've had suffered a few losses here. Brother, brother Gene and, and Sister Linda. I know Charles lost a brother. And I've had the opportunity to, to be a part of a couple of those services. And, you know, as I prepare for, for a funeral, I, I study and I, I put my thoughts together very similar to the way I do uh, a lesson or a sermon I'm preparing. So obviously when we have a memorial service for like one of our sisters as we did yesterday, that's kind of on my mind as I prepare for today. And one of the things I do, you know, I, I try to say the right thing. I, I, I want to honor the loved one and, and for the family. I want to uh, bring a smile to their face as, though, as they remember those fun times. And for the believers like our sister, try to remind them of the home that they have waiting the beauty that they are seeing, the fact that their loved one is in the presence of God. And that's a beautiful and comforting thought. But you know what the reality is? The reality of last evening? The reality is, is we're also grieving. We are sorrowful. And we're crying. Sadness and sorrow are a natural feeling during these times and other times in our lives. Let me ask you this. How many of you, while praying for the stuff that's going on in Ukraine, have, have felt that tear forming in your eye? How many times have you watched the news and heard these horrible stories going on over there and even here? How many times have you felt that lump in your throat? It is natural and it is an emotion that God gave you. He made you that way as a Christian with a loving heart. And I would argue that we are more prone to that emotion of sadness and sorrow at times. What about in other aspects of our lives? You know, we have a number of people here in our family here that are going through some very difficult times. We have family here that is struggling with health problems and disease. And quite frankly, sometimes all you can do is pray and cry. We have brethren and sisters here struggling financially, struggling in their relationships, whatever the case. And they are in what they feel is a constant state of sorrow or grief. But I want you to know something. Sorrow and grief, these are feelings that are natural and you cannot stop them. Now you can choose how you react to a feeling, but you can't really stop that feeling when it occurs. But I need you to know something else this morning. Your Lord and Savior, your Lord and Savior knew grief. 
Isaiah 53 states, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. That's your Savior. I don't plan on speaking just a whole uh, a long time this morning, but there will be a recurring theme that I pray that you get this morning. You have an awesome God. You have a loving Savior that is strong enough to bear your burdens and human enough to grieve with you and for you. That's your Jesus. That's who he is. John 11 and 35 is known as the shortest verse in the Bible. Now, Jeff will argue that with you. Trust me, he will. Uh, but it is Jesus wept. Pretty simple verse. But, brethren, I want you to know that it's probably one of the more revealing comforting, loving, and sometimes complex verses of the Bible. Here in chapter 11 of John, we see a glimpse of the human side of Christ, but it's much more than that. Let's turn to John 11. It's going to be a rather lengthy reading, but we're going to read John 11, starting in verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was at Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet uh, with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walketh in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Then said the disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but that they thought he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here... My brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believe in me shall never die. Believest thou this? 
She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was uh, that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, they uh, shall rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come, there Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. I want you to think about something for a moment. What could bring tears to the eyes of our Lord and Savior? Can you imagine? Can you picture that? This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He groaned in the Spirit and was troubled. Your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was weeping just like you. That is your Savior. And that is your Redeemer. After speaking to the grieving sisters, Jesus wept. Keep in mind, he knew he was fixing to raise him from the dead. He knew that the people would soon be laughing and celebrating. And more importantly, they would have witnessed a miracle that would cause him to praise and worship his Father. So why the tears? Why did Jesus cry? He was greatly troubled, and he wept. Jesus could have stopped this entire thing from ever happening. He could have healed Lazarus from where he was at. He never even had to travel there. He could have kept all those there from having to endure any of this stuff. But he had his reasons. And his reasons were to glorify his Father in heaven. But at the same time, he realized... It caused his friends to suffer. Let's remember Lamentations 3 and 33. For he doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of man. Sometimes, and this is important for us to remember as his people, sometimes in order for God to get the glory, it requires grief, affliction, pain, and suffering. Think of the sacrifice of his son. But that does not mean that our God is not sympathetic to that. Jesus wept may very well be the shortest verse in the Bible, but there's a lot there. This study actually came from a conversation that Jeff and I had a few weeks ago, a month or so ago. It caused me to do a little study, and I appreciate that. But people have often wondered and pondered, why would Christ cry at this particular moment? Was it because his friend that he loved died? That's possible, and I believe that's part of it. Jesus was fully human and experienced grief just like we do. But I also believe there was more. You see, he had already told Martha he was going to raise him from the dead. If you turn back to verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, 
which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. When Jesus saw the sorrow in Mary, when he witnessed the tears flowing down her cheeks, it hurt him. He groaned in the spirit. He was overwhelmed by that and he began to cry. Hebrews 4 and 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. We suffer loss. We suffer heartache. We grieve and sometimes we feel that we are in this constant state of grief and sorrow. But I want you to understand something. Your Savior feels that with you. He knows everything good and bad in your life, every trial, every temptation, and yes, he knows every single heartache, and he is deeply compassionate about those things. Christ understands our pain. Let's always remember that Christ did not just die for us. Christ lived for us. He lived here on this earth so he would be able to be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. One of the things that we have to remember about Christ and his life is that we, there's a lot of details in there that we don't know prior to his ministry. We know about his birth. We know some of the, uh, the places and the whereabouts that he went, his family traveling. We know the teaching in the temple. But we don't know a whole lot in there. Here's what we know. We know he was human. He was man. So I have no doubt there was some heartache and some pain and suffering and loss within there. That's how he can sympathize with us. And Jesus wept. Now understand, Jesus never wept due to a lack of faith or of hope. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Jesus set the example of grieving with your brother. Feeling their pain. Jesus wept. Two simple words. I believe it's written that way for a reason. The writer wanted us to contemplate this. He wanted us to see the significance of Jesus crying. God wanted you to see this. Why? You need to know that God does not like to see you in pain. God does not want you to walk around sorrowful. He don't like to see you that way. He feels your pain. You know, when my family has suffered loss, our church family here has always been there. Just your presence and your reassuring words and hugs are comforting. Jesus wept, reassures us that our Heavenly Father is there with us. He too is present in our times of grief and pain and struggles. Brethren, you have a Savior that was willing to die for you, willing to endure everything for you, willing to live for you, and brethren, willing to share sorrow and, yes, cry with you. Another possible reason for this grief and for his tears, I believe part of Jesus' grief was also he witnessed a lack of faith. He saw it all around him. When Jesus was approached by the sisters, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. They believed he would be resurrected in the last days, but they doubted he would be brought back to life right then. 
Jesus had to remind them, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though we were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? You see, Martha believed her brother would be resurrected, just not today. Again, he's been dead for four days. She says, Lord, by, the time, by this time he stinketh. She's saying he's been dead long enough. He is decomposing. Jesus is there to comfort them, but he also, he wants them to believe in him. All this is going on, and the answer to their grief is literally standing right in front of them. He is the answer. I am the resurrection and the life. And they're too worried about other things. His travel to Judea, his timing and getting there. Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith... It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The faith in Christ is the basis of our salvation. So absolutely, it is important to our Lord and Savior. They know what he's capable of. They've witnessed these things. And yet he stands there, able and willing, and they look him in the face, and they doubt him. And, brother, I believe that's another reason that our Lord and Savior wept. But my question to you this morning is how many times, due to a lack of faith, has Jesus wept for you or because of you? How many times has God said, take my hand and I will lead you, and you refuse to reach out and grab it? How many times has he knocked on the door and you refuse to answer how many times have you doubted your God? Brother, there was a time that I thought I could handle, control, and solve all things. I had a Superman cape ironed and ready to go. God doesn't have time for my little problems anyways. That was doubt. I may not have doubted his ability or his power, but I doubted his willingness, and therefore I doubted his love for me. And that's exactly what I did. And if you're honest with yourself, I bet you have too at some point. I have this great problem, yet I don't seek his wisdom. I don't go to him in prayer. You think he's disappointed? I wonder how many times in my life the I am has just sat there and thought, you know, if he would just ask. And that's kind of shameful. And I'm ashamed of some of my doubt that I've had. We have a loving and awesome God who is our comforter and our rock. But, brethren, we have to have the faith in him to receive that. Your God longs to be there for you. Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That is your God. Isaiah 53 and 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. You know, here's the reality of it. Me and Jeff are going to argue over Scripture for 50 years. And this will probably be one of those things that he and I will argue and discuss for a long time. Did Jesus weep for his friend? Did he weep because he was sharing sorrow? Did he weep because of the lack of faith? Was it all three? You want to know what the real reason Jesus wept was? Jesus wept because he loves you. And you have a creator that is loving and is an awe-inspiring God. That's why Jesus wept.
because of love for you. But I also want you to understand that Jesus' tears are different than ours. You see, his tears, they do not come with any type of sense uh, of helplessness. The beauty of Jesus weeping is we know that our God does not just sit there and watch us suffer during difficult times. When he sent his son to live on this earth as a man and experience life, he was showing us there is no pain and no suffering that he too is not willing to shoulder with you. Jesus wept. Again, why was this set aside in scripture like that? Jesus above everything was willing to humble himself to show us this side of him. You know, there are other documented times that Jesus wept. Could there have been more? Possibly. I personally believe there, there probably was. But there are at least two other occasions that we know about. One of them was witnessed and documented because it meant something to them then, and it means something to us today. Luke 19 and 41, when Jesus sees the city of Jerusalem, he sees a sin and it breaks his heart. And when he has come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known even now, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Jesus sees this city and it hurt him and he wept. Brother, do you think it's different today? Again, I reflect back on Isaiah 53. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. My sin and my continued sin wounds and bruises my Savior. But folks, my sin also caused some internal sorrow. I disappoint him through my transgression, and it causes him heartache. We also know of another time Jesus wept. Matthew 26 and 36. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face. And prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Luke 22 and 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Hebrews 5 and 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. It was heard that he feared. In the Garden of Gethsemane is your Lord and Savior prayed to his Father in agony, drops of blood emitting from his pores. Your Lord and Savior left his throne on high, fell to his face, and cried. The Son of God overwhelmed. How could God ever know how we feel? Because Jesus Christ went through it. He has felt it, and he has lived it. Brother and I have suffered heartache. I have grieved, and I have sorrowed, and I have wept. But brother, let me tell you something. You let my children go through something? Let my children hurt or suffer heartache? 
And that is a pain that I feel that is almost unbearable. Parents in the audience this morning, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You had to be there to help mend a broken heart. I have held my daughter as she cried, and it will rip your guts out. Brother, now think about your heavenly father that has a love that you and I cannot possibly understand or fathom. Think about God looking down on his child and witnessing him in agony, praying more earnestly. Father, please, can we do this a different way? Let this cup pass from me. How do you think God felt when Jesus ultimately said, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. How did God feel? And I know he's God. I know he knows all. But God still has emotions and feelings. How did he feel as a father? Brother, do you believe there was some sorrow? I believe although he knew it had to be done for you and for me and for all the world, it had to hurt. As his son was beaten and tortured, Wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities when they spit in his son's face. When they slapped him and mocked him, his son. Did he hurt with him? Psalms 34 and 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. When they placed the crown of thorns on his head and drove the nails through his hands and his feet, how did his father feel? You know, I've always tried to be the dad that my kids know will always be there. I got their back. I cannot imagine them thinking I was never be there for them. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? How did God feel? watching his son go through that. Well, son, man, come on. God had feelings. Brother, we read about God's feelings throughout this entire scripture. Anger, jealousy, joy, regret, you name it, including grieving. Let's turn to Isaiah 53. Starting in verse 3, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one of his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before the shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. 
When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he uh, shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That's what your Savior did for you. But I want you to catch some wording real quick. Back in verse 10, and before I read that, I want you to know, I do believe that God shared in the broken heart of Jesus. I do believe he had compassion for him while he was in that garden. And because of that, I believe due to the, the, the culmination of man's sin and soon-to-be crucifixion, our God hurt with him. But understand, your God, the I am, and his feelings are not like ours. Back in verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. So what was God feeling? Verse 11, He shall see of the travail of a soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. My righteous servant. How did God feel? God felt this was worth you. He felt love and compassion, mercy and grace for you. God looked at this and said, this is worth doing to remove Sean's sins, to separate him and his sins as far as the east is from the west. I love my son, but I hate sin that much. God endured whatever emotion he may have had during this time because his love for you and I were greater. You needed that sacrifice, and God gave it to you. Everything our Savior went through, he did specifically just for you. So I guess the real question this morning is not really, how did God feel? The real question is, how do you feel? How do you feel knowing that the Son of God suffered unspeakable things because of you and your sin? How do you feel knowing that because of you, he took a punishment that you were incapable of bearing? How do you feel in knowing that I, me, Sean Hanley, caused my Lord and Savior to be treated like an animal? That's me. I did that. Brother, you did that. How do you feel in knowing that Jesus Christ willingly did that for you so that you could someday have an eternal home with him? How do you feel in knowing that you have a loving God that loves you despite of you. Romans 5 and 8, but God commanded his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I pray you feel the love of an almighty God. I pray that each and every one of you here see yourself for what you are, a sinner cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And although we look at this great sacrifice and and we feel that sorrow and grief for what we put our Savior through. I also pray that we feel peace. Peace in knowing that you have a home prepared for you. 
I pray you wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and praise God that you are his child. He designed you. He made you. He has a plan for you. And most importantly, he loves you with a love that we cannot describe or fathom because it is beyond our understanding. You see, in the heart of a Christian, the sacrifice, the cross, is horrible as it was and as painful and sorrowful as it makes us, we also feel the love within because we see and recognize the grace and the mercy being given to us. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't have that peace. You don't feel the mercy. You don't feel the grace and the love because you're still dying in your sin. I was a young teenager and me and dad would always kind of banter back and forth about verses, trying to stump each other. And I don't know what I was thinking, but I walked in one day and I said, Dad, I got one for you. What's the saddest verse in the Bible? And he goes, what do you think it is? Easy, Jesus wept. Dad always had a way. We would sit at the dining room table, and he would always put the Bible in between us, and he opened up to Acts 26, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. Dad said, Son, that's the saddest verse in the Bible. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Is that you this morning? Are you sitting there this morning knowing that you need to believe, repent, confess, and be baptized? Is that you? Isaiah 53 and 11, By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. You know what I think? I know God felt the pain of our Lord and Savior and what he endured, but I also believe, and I dare to say about our Father, maybe a little proud, my righteous servant. Which one are you this morning? If you've not been baptized for the remission of your sins, you're in one of two states. You're either saying, God, thy will be done, I am ready, or almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. If you're here this morning and you wish to be baptized and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or perhaps you'd like the prayers of the church, we'd ask that you please come forward as we stand and sing.